Welcome to the Fair Talks podcast, where we educate everyday people for extraordinary change. I'm your host, Alicia Chan, Executive Director of Fair Trade LA, a community of business members, nonprofits, and fair trade enthusiasts driving proactive, sustainable solutions for a fairer world. I'm also a social entrepreneur with a passion for ending poverty and creating dignified jobs. Together, we'll explore how fair trade changes lives and communities and what we can do to address some of the world's biggest problems right in our own homes. Let's dive in. Fair Talks is brought to you by Fair Trade USA, the organization that brings you the Fair Trade certified label. Fairtrade USA is committed to building an innovative model of responsible business, conscious consumerism, and shared value to eliminate poverty and enable sustainable development for farmers, workers, their families, and communities around the world. Have you ever thought about where flowers come from? We buy them at the flower shops or grocery stores for Valentine's Day, Mother's Day. I mean, we see them at weddings and funerals. It's all around us. But have you ever stopped and wondered where all these flowers come from? Where were they planted? Who harvests them? How do they get to you still so perfectly intact while adding so much joy to your life? Flowers truly brighten up a space. Such a simple yet beautiful thing that has the ability to make people pause in the middle of everything they're doing to smell them and admire them, even if it's just for a moment before they move on with their day such a powerful thing. Makes me wonder if flower farmers who help harvest this beautiful creation also enjoys them as much as we do. And more importantly, how are the working conditions of people who help bring this beautiful flowers to our table? How do we ensure that the flowers that I'm enjoying in my home is not actually exploiting people in the harvesting process? Who better to answer all my questions than someone who works at a flower farm? Today, we get to have a conversation with Jaime Castillo, a general manager of Florical, a fair trade flower farm. Jaime was born in Colombia, then moved to Ecuador, where he lived until he was 18 years old. He then had the opportunity to study in the United States, where he received his bachelor in business and economics and an MBA at Clark University at Worcester, Massachusetts. After working as a purchasing manager at a flower importer in Daytona Beach, he transitioned back to Ecuador to work at a beer company, where he visited beer plants and suppliers all around the world. After eight years of working in the beer industry, he decided to work in the family-owned business, a rose farm, with his dad in Ecuador as the operating manager, where he was responsible for 250 employees. They recently sold his family business, and he was offered an opportunity to join a different flower farm, Florical, where he has been the general manager since November 2022. Florical is a rose farm located in Ecuador with more than 30 years in the flower market. They have 150 varieties of flowers. Florical is a company that cares a lot about social responsibilities and ethical production. They are very proud to have very important certifications such as Rainforest Alliance and Fair Trade, which guarantees that their flowers were produced using methods that support the three pillars of sustainability, social, economic, and environmental. I can't wait to ask Jaime all my questions about flowers. Now let's dive in, shall we? Jaime, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, can you tell our listeners where you're calling in from? 
Ah, uh, well, thank you, first of all, for having me here. Um, I'm calling you from Cayambe, Ecuador. We're actually at the foothills of a snow-capped volcano, and it's 2,800 meters above sea level, so we're pretty high up in the mountains. Wow, that's incredible. I actually had to research your time zone because we were trying to figure out the best time to um, do this conversation, and so it's the same as the New York like East Coast time zone. It is. It it, it depends on daylight uh, mm -hmm. savings mm, times yeah. and all that. But yeah, right now it's the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sure you'll tell us more about your location and how that affects growing flowers in a little bit. But before we dive in, I want to ask you, so you grew up in Ecuador until you were 18 years old, and then you got your bachelor's yeah. and your MBA in the United States. So what made you decide to go back to Ecuador? Well, it was a combination of, of different factors. First of all, family. I've been in the U.S. for about seven years on my own. My brother was there for a, a few of those years. But all my family is back here in Ecuador, my parents, my brother, my sister. So, And I had a, a small brother. Uh, he was about a year, two years old when I left. Oh, wow. So I kind of felt that I was missing out on, on him, on seeing mm -hmm. him grow up. So that was, for me, it was the biggest factor to come back. Mm -hmm. um, also, it was a, a rough time in the U.S. It was right after 9-11. I graduated right after 9-11. Mm -hmm. So I worked there for a couple of years. Um, but definitely, I saw a lot more uh, professional opportunities here in Ecuador for me. Mm -hmm. So that was another factor to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know family is very important. And it is. And you're bringing your talents and your skills to help, you know, grow your country. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it, it's. I think it's very important for uh, for people that that have the ability to study abroad mm -hmm. to come back and bring that knowledge back to the country and help it develop. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now, how did you find yourself working in a rose farm back in Ecuador? Like, did your family have background in agriculture? Well, yeah, my family owned the rose plantation for about 28 years. Actually, the business was sold about two years ago. So flowers have been in my family all my life. That's wow. what we talk about during dinner time. So, yeah, I, I mean, it was it has always been the family business so that I grew up in it. Wow, that's so amazing. It's not yes. often that people grew up talking about flowers. <laughs> No, and, and it's and it's interesting because I grew up talking about flowers and I grew up in a flower plantation. That, so that's where I learned to ride my bike and that's where I learned wow. to drive. And so it's a big, big part of my life. Yeah, that is so cool. Now, can you tell us about Floracal? To be honest, I've been in the fair trade community in the United States for over five years. And I just recently learned more about Floracal and fair trade flowers. Tell yes. us more. Well, Florical has been certified, fair trade certified for about 11 years. So that was wow. around 2012 that we got first certified. At the beginning, it was, well, it was kind of a difficult process because you have to do things very differently to what we do here normally in, in, in a flower plantation and, and the dynamics of, of uh, the relationships here. So I think the biggest or the most difficult thing at the beginning 
was to implement the committees that we needed for the certification and to explain to the employees that now they were being empowered to choose initiatives that they wanted to implement for their own benefit. So the, the, the employees, they didn't have a choice on what the business did in terms of social initiatives. Now with Fair Trade, they administer the funds, they choose the programs, they decide what has to be done during the year. So it was, it was uh, a mind, we had to change the mindset of the people and, and let them um, let them be comfortable with taking those kinds of decisions. We also, uh, it, it was difficult to introduce also a lot of the new programs, especially in terms of health, because we had to change a lot of the, um, how do I say it, the customs that people have here. For example, the dental care program was difficult to start at the beginning because people were not used to visiting the dentist. People mm -hmm. were not even used to have proper dental hygiene during the day. Yeah. So we have to teach them to show them the benefits. Then they started going to the dentist and mm -hmm. then they started seeing the benefits. Very difficult to change the mindset and you have to work a lot on the culture to be able to introduce the programs and for people to to see the, the, the benefits and, and, and to well, identify that it's for them and it's mm -hmm. not a program done by the farm or anything, it's for them. Yeah, wow. And can you educate us about the importance of, I guess, elevation with growing flowers? Like I, I know a lot, lot more about coffee, but this is my first yeah. time talking about growing flowers. Well, I, it's it's very similar. I, I would say it's similar to coffee that we're located in the sweet spot for growing flowers in the world. We have the perfect elevation. We have the perfect weather for it. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. We have the right luminosity. So we have the right amount of sun hours during the day for the flowers to grow and for, for them to be productive, but, mm -hmm. but also for them to be high quality. Uh, Ecuador is is distinguished or is differentiated by producing the best flowers in the world. There's a lot of countries that produce flowers, but they are lower quality flowers. Ecuador has the best flowers in terms of characteristics. You have the mm. the biggest uh, buds. You have the thickest thickest uh, stems, the longest stems. You have very good durability in the vase. So uh, it's it's a combination of all the weather factors and the elevation factors, and also the soil here is very rich. As I told you, we're located right beside a volcano, which is not active, fortunately, but it's rich with nutrients. Yeah. So the plants here grow very well. So it's it's a as I told you, it's the best spot to be here in Ecuador wow. for growing flowers. That's so amazing. Now, can you tell us how large is the farm at Florical and how many people work there? Uh, Florical, we have 43 hectares, mm -hmm. and on a year-round basis, we have about 450 people. During Valentine's, during Mother's Day, we have to hire about 100 more people to be able to handle the volume that we process during those times. Wow, yeah. And does flower have harvest season? Sorry, I'm learning so much right now. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Usually, it's about 90 days. So every 90 days, that's the cycle. Oh, every 90 wow. days, you get a new stem from the plant. Wow. So, but, but we're harvesting every day because we have millions of plants. 
So yeah. we progress them in a certain way so that we can get stems every day. But if you're wow. talking about one stem, cutting it, when will it come back? In 90 days. Oh. And of course, we have the we prepare for the seasons, for, for example, for Valentine's and Mother's Day, because we do need to produce more for those times. So we do special preparations for those dates. Yeah, how do you do that? I know that there's a high demand during that time. How do you adjust yes, the harvest? It's, it's We have to, um, how would you call it, reserve material in the plant. So you start building up the material that you're going to prepare for Valentine's. And that way you try to increase production maybe by, I don't know, 30, 50%, depending mm -hmm. on the plants, so that you're able to uh, to try and cover the volume for Valentine's. But it's crazy because it's never enough. Wow. Wow. And how long will... So once you cut the rose from the bush, like how long... Uh -huh. till through shipping and how long will it last in the grocery store and in someone's vase well it all depends on where it's going but for example i cut it today it goes to the airport tomorrow it's going to be mm -hmm. in miami in two more days so we're talking about four days from when it's mm -hmm. cut and mm -hmm. that could be actually in the consumer from four days from now so mm -hmm. if you're talking about maybe California or, uh, I don't know, upstate New York, maybe it's a couple more days trucking, but you have very fresh product. Uh, the, the, the supply chain is very, is very short. So you're talking about maybe six to eight days from when it comes out of the farm to when it's in your vase. Mm -hmm. And it should last there, I don't know, maybe like 20, 25 days. Wow. Wow. Yeah. As... And, and, and we do ship all over the world. So, uh, we ship to Europe, we ship to mm. Asia. So wow. we have supply chains that can take even 15 days. So it's a, yeah. it's very delicate, but it's very durable at the same time. It's all mm. about keeping the cold chain complete so it can last that long. Mm. Wow, that's so interesting. I love, thank you for answering all my questions. <laughs> and sure, no, no problem. Psst, I hate to interrupt, but we've got a surprise for you even a monthly surprise if you want. Have you been wanting to add more fair trade into your life, but aren't sure where to start? We have an easy way for you to support local fair trade businesses without ever having to leave your home. Our monthly fair package brings the world right to your door. Each month, you'll receive a surprise fair trade product curated from a dedicated ethical business. From artisanal soaps to shade-grown organic coffee, you'll find new fair trade products to love, all while supporting sustainable jobs from around the world. Keep your surprise for yourself or gift it to a loved one. Did we mention it's super affordable? Subscribe for only $10 a month. Snack yours now at fairtrailaid.org backslash fair package. And sit back, relax, and eagerly wait for your delivery. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, so on this podcast, we talk a lot about working with artisans, factory workers, and farmers of food, such as like coffee, mangoes, mm -hmm. tomatoes, etc. But this is the first time we're talking about bringing awareness to flower farmers. Can you tell us more about, I guess, common working conditions of flower farmers in Ecuador or in other farms in general? Is there a lot of trafficking happening? Tell us a little bit more. Um no, not really. I mean, there's been a lot at, at, in Ecuador, at the Ecuador level, there's been a lot of work done in the in the industry mm -hmm. as a whole in terms of overall labor conditions to mm -hmm. guarantee the welfare of the of the employees. And, and I can give you a few examples. For example, uh, no underage workers are permitted. 
and we have constant audits by the government that come into the farms and, and they look around and if they find someone underage, you can receive very big penalties. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't really happen anymore in the industry and, and it hasn't happened for a very long time. It's been 15 to 20 years since we had these regulations. For example, pregnant women have three home, three months to stay at home oh, and wow. then 12 months with a reduced uh, schedule so they have time for for feeding the baby at the end of the year for example we distribute 15 percent of the total profits of the of the business it gets distributed to the employees we have very strict requirements in terms of the protective equipment that the people have to use in in the different labors that we do on the farm there's been a lot of development there's been a lot of growth there's been a lot of farm uh, laws that have been enacted in the country, mm-hmm. and and I and I can say it's very robust, and I think mm-hmm. that um, uh, they the employees are, are very well protected here in Ecuador. Yeah. In terms of, of of trafficking, there's really no not it's not an issue. What I can tell you is, for example, the area where we live, Cayambe, is one of the few uh, areas in the country where you can find. 90% to 100% employment year round. Wow. And it's because we're so so labor intensive that everybody in the town is employed and it wow. keeps growing and growing and growing with the flower industry. People come from different parts of the country to to settle here and live here because this is a year round business that mm. requires a huge amount of labor. Uh, what I can say is maybe in terms of, of uh, problems here is maybe a lot of informal producers who don't comply with the law, which are small farms, you know, family owned, one, two people that have a little par- parcel where they, where they grow uh, flowers. But there's a lot of work that is being done through associations and through the world, uh, the government to try to legalize them and try to make them comply to the government regulations for the Mm. production of flowers yeah that is so encouraging to hear because i feel like it's a great example of how the government is working together with producers to make this a workable environment and a healthy one so that is yeah really encouraging now how is for everyone's benefit yeah and obviously we see the the result of 90 to 100% employment that is so encouraging now how is florical different what is the working conditions for farmers in, in Florical? I know you guys have different certifications too, besides fair trade certification. Oh yeah, we have quite a few certifications. We have we have obviously we have fair trade. We also have a rainforest alliance, which is mm-hmm. also a social and environmental certification. We have Flora Ecuador, which is also all the farms in Ecuador have to be certified with this, and it's also social and environmental. So, so we have quite an array of, of, of certifications and, and Florical is, is very good at that. Uh, and we've been certified for a very long time and we've done a lot of social work and environmental work because of, of these certifications, because mm-hmm. it's, it's always been Florical's uh, goal to be socially responsible and to be environmentally responsible. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I want to mention maybe a few things that, that we do which don't really uh, relate to to fair trade, but we do it because that's our philosophy. For example, we transport people, we give transportation for people back and from the farm. So we go to everybody's houses and we drop them off. 
Wow. Um, we provide breakfast. We provide lunch because we, wow. we do start very early. We do start like at 6.15 in the morning to work. Yeah. So everybody comes here, they have breakfast, and then they start working. And, wow. and we also give lunch. We have a medical center where we have uh, provide basic medical service. We have a doctor and a nurse on staff. And we also do a lot of fun stuff. We we have an annual soccer turn, tournament. We have year the year the year party. We celebrate birthdays. We 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 try to get together. We try to have time in common with everyone and mm-hmm. and try to create a close community with our employees. Oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds so fun to work there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is very nice. Yeah. And I mean, when you feed your employees, they are, they have the energy to work harder. Like it's just, it's, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, they're they're happy. They don't have to worry about getting the food. They don't have to worry about cooking it and doing it at five in the morning. It it just simplifies life. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm so encouraged by, by this conversation right now. So you work directly with the farmers as the general manager. Can you tell us some real yeah. life stories of how these far- flower farmers are impacted by our purchases of these fair trade flowers? Yeah, sure. I mean, maybe I should maybe like give you a little bit of an overall review of them. We have a lot of programs here in the in the farm and people get affected by a lot of them. For, for example, we have social programs where we have a laundromat. So, for example, people they they bring their clothes, uh, we wash them here, and they when they finish the day, they get their clothes nice and clean and folded, wow. and they wow. just go home and take them home. So wow. it, that's very important. We give them credit at the supermarket so they can go grocery shopping. We give them credit at the pharmacy so they can mm-hmm. go shop for medicine if they need it, and they have credit to do that. They don't need to carry cash around. We have a savings co-op, so people actually save in there, and they can ask for loans that reduce the interest rates, which are a lot lower than a regular bank would do. So, so we have a lot of programs. Uh, we have educational programs. We have health programs. For example, we have a daycare center. Mm-hmm. We have right now fifteen children that come here every day, and we have two teachers that mm-hmm. are with them throughout the the work schedule. And that really helps people because they come with their children. They don't have to travel 20 minutes yeah. to go to school, drop them off, come back and do all that. But actually, they come here with their children. They drop them off at the daycare. At the daycare. Maybe during lunchtime, they can go say hi. They come back to yeah. work and then pick them up later on. So it, there, there's, been a, there's a lot of programs that impact people on a daily basis. We have a, a specific example. We have one of our um, supervisors for packing supervisor. His name is Junior. <laughs> and he actually is going to adult education program. Mm. So we have a program where the employees go to earn their high school degree. Mm. And Junior is actually in the second year of the program right now. Wow. So he's actually completing his, his education. And his child just received the excellence scholarship. So depending on the grades of the children, if they have if they meet a certain requirement, we give them a scholarship, a bonus, so they can help pay for tuition and everything. So 
the, the children are very happy when they receive that because yeah. it's a, it's a reward for the effort. And, and, and actually junior was, was very lucky that his kid got some good grades. So he's studying and he's getting uh, the bonus for the scholarship for his children. And it's just a little example of how the different programs come together to help the people here. Wow. That is such an amazing system you guys have. I'm sure you guys have a long line of people wanting to work there. It is, it is. And, and, and you, and you do get recognition in the industry because of it. And people recognize Florical as a very good place to work, a nice place to work, because there is a lot of benefits that not many other farms have. And, and this is all possible because of fair trade. Mm, wow. That's so amazing. I would love to come visit someday <laughs> and learn from you guys. Invited anytime. Thank you. Now, Florical is the producer and supplier to many businesses, so you don't sell directly mm -hmm. to consumers. And I'm sure no, our no. listeners are wanting to know by now, like, where can we buy your fair tree flowers in the United States? Can you tell us maybe a few locations that you sell to? Yeah, sure. Well, mainly our fair trade flowers go through a Whole Foods supermarkets. They, they go to different locations in the U.S. For example, they go to uh, Austin, Texas. We have a, uh, a town in, uh, in Georgia, Brasselton, which also has our flowers there. You can find it in Denver, in Pompano Beach, in the Whole Foods all through Southern California. Mm. So they're a little bit scattered all over the place, all over the U.S., Wow, I'm going to have to go to Whole Foods now. I'm going to have to find this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> that is amazing. Now, if I guess if people that are tuning in are a business and they want to sell your flowers, they can contact you, right? To source it? Yeah, definitely. Okay. We have our sales department here and uh, and we ship as I told you, we ship to about 50 different countries in the world. So, wow. so we have many business partners. We work directly with importers, with wholesalers, with florists. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely. You, they can give awesome. us a call anytime. Yeah, I'll make sure to put your information in our show notes. Now, what would you Thank like you. to see for the future of Florical or for the flower industry as a whole? Wow, that's a that's a big question. That's a <laughs> that's an important yeah. question, and and I think that we have to work or keep on working on on the social welfare of people. We have to make an emphasis on on the welfare of of employees and the social initiatives that that we need to improve the life of people here. I mean, it, we do have a lot of programs of Florical, but it is still a third world country with a lot of needs. We have a very huge educational needs. We have a lot of uh, big health needs in terms of health coverage. So uh, as an industry, I think we, we can do a lot. And, uh, and I think fair trade is a very nice vehicle to, to do that. So it, it would be encouraging for fair trade to grow in the industry. And as Florical, I, I think that we have a continuously evolving responsibility because we do implement a lot of programs and, and they start benefiting the employees, but our employees needs, they, they evolve during time. So every year, for example, every year we do a survey to identify the, 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 the most pressing needs that, that our employees have. And mm -hmm. we try to, to grow or to adapt or to develop new programs in order, in order to, to cope with it, to 
cover those needs. So we're, we're actually striving to to increase the coverage of our programs. For example, the daycare program is one of the biggest pro- programs that we want to grow because it is a big it is a big benefit. We have new programs coming on this year. For example, the medical specialties. Uh, so people can go have special treatments done with specialized doctors, which they didn't have access to before. So the, the, there is a lot of things that we need to keep on promoting, keep yeah. on educating, so they can start uh, growing more than what they're, they are currently. Yeah. I love what you said there, that fair trade is a vehicle to make all this these things happen. Because, yeah, I feel like what I've gained from this conversation is, you know, we talk about jobs and the flower industry, but those are all just avenues and vehicles to help take care of people. And I see that FloorCal really takes that responsibility seriously and takes care of people. I love, I love that. Yeah, it is very important for us. Yeah. Now we like to ask our guests this fun question. What is your favorite fair trade product? Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Well, I can say the first one is very easy. Ecuadorian flower. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Especially from Florical. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and I would say uh, I would say that I keep on supporting Ecuador. We produce very nice chocolate, fair trade certified chocolate. Mm. So look for it because it's it's actually very good. We're one of our cocoa here. The chocolate produced here in Ecuador is one of the best in the world. Try it; it's yeah. very nice. It sounds like a perfect mm-hmm. gift right there. Fair trade flowers and chocolate. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. For Valentine's. <laughs> I'm curious because you deal with flowers all day, every day. Do you guys enjoy having flowers at home, like putting it in a vase and enjoying it that way? I do. I do. I, <laughs> I try to take home flower, flowers home at yeah. least once a week. Aww. Yes, I love it. It, it just brings it brings cheer to the house. It brings it color. Does. Yeah. It, it. Yeah. It brings joy to a space. Yes. Yeah. Love that. Now, we also like to end every episode with this question. What is a simple action step you want our listeners to take after listening to this to help make this world a more equitable and better place? I think that responsible sourcing is a key. We can see that fair trade products benefit people, the people that that are producing them, the employees that work at these companies, they get a big benefit from that. So there is a big social benefit. There is a big educational benefit. There is a big health benefit for the employees. So I think that we need to increase the demand of fair trade products and responsibly produce products. Uh, that way we can, as consumers, put some pressure on the companies and on the customers and our customers to try to source more uh, responsibly produced product. And at the end of the day, bring that benefit back to the people here. Yeah. Yeah. If if we learn anything about this conversation is that when you we increase the demand of fair trade, we increase our ability to take care of people. So you guys are oh, yeah, a leader definitely. in that. Yeah. Yes, it's 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 a, a benefit for the people. It's a benefit for the environment because we're also very highly concerned about the environment and we do a lot of work in that. So I, I think overall it's a, it's a very positive impact. Yeah. 
What a wholesome conversation. I leave very encouraged. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us. Thank you very much for inviting us and for having me. Thank you. I will talk to you soon. Thank you. I want to thank the creative team behind the Fair Talks podcast, our executive producer, Juliette Bucquerel, our editor, Kaden Sullivan, our marketing team, Jasmine French, Elena Alcero, and Lizzie Case. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fair Talks podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community and sharing the fair trade message. Thank you again to our sponsor, Fair Trade USA, for making this possible. Now, are you ready to create change? The next time you're out shopping, just pick up one fair trade item to buy, like coffee, chocolate, or bananas, and make a difference. Ask your office, church, business, school, or your family to shop more fair. If you have any questions or want to learn more, head over to fairtradela.org podcast for show notes, discount codes, and additional resources. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And follow us on social media at FairTradeLA to join our amazing community of fair trade lovers. Tune in to our next Fair Talks conversation to hear more life-changing stories. Thanks for listening.